Hi, welcome to Morning Talk Show. Uh, today, my conversation with comedian, actor, podcaster, musician, and just general uh, humorous person, Johnny Pemberton. Hi, welcome to the show. Today, my conversation with Johnny Pemberton. Um, Johnny is a comedian and podcaster and um, actor. He's been in a bunch of movies. Um, he was really enjoyable to talk to. Uh, he's one of those guys with just like a, a really interesting and kind of warped uh, perspective on life and comedy. And uh, he's great at accents. And he's great at that kind of comedy that like you can, kind of almost can't put your finger on why it's funny. Um, but he's just like, he just exudes uh, humor. So it was fun to talk to him about the psychology and philosophy of, um, of comedy. Uh, so uh, please like and subscribe on whatever podcast um, platform you're on. Uh, on the YouTube video, I'll have a bunch of links to um, Johnny Pemberton's uh, online content. So uh, now we'll get on with the interview. Having a good voice goes a long way. Yeah, I don't have one. <laughs> oh, well, I guess it kind of depends on who's listening, though. Some people might say you do. Yeah, maybe they, maybe they do. Um, right. So, yeah, Johnny Pemberton, welcome. Thank you for being on Morning Talk Show. Cool. Um, I'm happy to be here in the morning. I love the morning. <laughs> uh, and I love, your, uh, I love your, your blanket in the background. I feel like everybody had that blanket in the, in the 80s but didn't know. Yeah. Like nobody knew where it came from. They just had it. Yeah, I had one. My mom made it uh, for her college roommate. I, no, her college roommate made it for her. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so you but do this know one's different. I bought this one at a thrift store in Minnesota. Nice. I normally have sunlight on my face, but uh, mm -hmm. my family's been cooped up, and I didn't want to make them go in a weird spot in the house. So oh, I'm, right. I'm in front of my creepy uh, pump organ. Looks like, good, though. Like, yeah, 1800s pump organ. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think our background game is strong today. Um, Very. So, um, so yeah, you're my first comedian on the podcast. I really cool. appreciate you coming on. Um, it's not a comedy podcast, but I've, I've been really interested in talking to a comedian about some of the same themes that I normally talk about. Right. Um, and, uh, and get the perspective, because I've always suspected that comedians and artists would maybe be doing a lot of this, a lot of the stuff that you do kind of more on an intuitive level rather than on some kind of like mission statement kind of level. Cause I normally talk to people who have like a, a theme and a mission statement and like, right. you know, this is, you know, I, I teach meditation or I'm a philosopher right. or whatever like that. So um, I guess I'm just curious um, kind of how, how you got started or how you made the decision to be a, a comedian, like what your life looked like when you kind of, actually made that choice um it wasn't so much a choice as just like it's something i wanted to do for a long time and i think it's the kind of thing when you want to do that it's hard to do that because it's not really something where there where there's like uh there's like there's, there's a job opening it's not like yeah. that you know it's a thing where yeah. you basically have to have a lot of uh gumption and um yeah self-confidence to decide you want to do this thing that's it's pretty ridiculous thing to do yeah. But uh, I did it. Um, I was, I didn't start doing comedy until I moved to Los Angeles and I, and that was probably around 2005, but mm. I was, I wanted to do it for many years, but it was something where I just felt like it wasn't really available to me or I just sort of felt like, yeah, I just didn't feel like the, I wasn't around people that seemed like that that was an okay thing to do. Right. But um, I started by doing like some, uh, warm up for this web talk show. I worked at I worked at Fox Broadcasting at the time. We had like so this web talk show we we're filming. And I decided I would do warm up for it, which was a fantastically bad idea. And <laughs> yeah. a lot of people told me afterwards, like, why would you think that would be good? 
especially for your first time out. I just thought, you know, I, I was so the, the longer I, uh, I look back or the longer it, the longer, more amount of time that passes from certain things, the more I'm like, I can't believe I did that thing. It was yeah, so yeah. stupid. Yeah. But I did it because I just really wanted to do it. And I had a lot of blind confidence and yeah. I did, and it was terrible. It was, was it absolutely audience? terrible. It was a paid audience in some place deep in the valley for this web talk show that was supposed, oh, wow. to, supposed to be an internal promotion thing for yeah. like some certain Fox shows. This is obviously a while ago before the internet was very robust. So yeah. um, it was terrible, but I, I, even afterwards, even though I felt so bad about it, that I still, I didn't feel like I didn't want to ever do comedy again. I don't know why. I can remember going out to dinner with two people who I worked with on that. One of them was the host of the show. We were kind of making fun of how bad I did. And it's, <laughs> that's a thing that's like, I think important is to definitely make fun in a joyful way of, of your failures, you know, like, wow, that was pretty yeah. bad kind of thing. That's yeah. And, um, but I, then what happened was, is, uh, uh, my friend Haley, she was dating a comedian at the time. Um, his name is Peter Sprite. And he, mm. um, I, she put me in contact with him. He, I met with him for a couple hours once before a, a comedy show. And he helped me go over my material and helped me edit it down. And he put me up on his show at the comedy store oh, wow. in the belly room. And I was incredibly, incredibly nervous, but all the stuff that he helped me, taught me how to do to, to make things concise and yeah. just kind of figure out what exactly you want to talk about it paid off. And I guess from then on, it was kind of like a thing where, uh, obviously I still had a lot of setbacks like anyone, but it was just something where I, I think I was kind of happy for the first time in my life, really, like wow. really happy. Yeah, and so that, that belly room set went okay. It was outstanding. It was like incredible. You can see, I have a tape of it and you can see my face as I'm kind of don't, don't know what to do because it's going so well. I'm kind of like, uh, yeah, blown away that, that it's, that's going well. Wow, that's not the that's not the typical story though of the first. Uh, I guess I guess the other one is more the typical yeah. story. The first story was more the typical. Right. Wow, that's great. So yeah, and I'm sure you've you've like eaten shit since then. Uh, oh yeah, a fair share many times. Uh, yeah, a lot. I think it's important to do that actually. Yeah, I actually is. I think it's one of the things that probably sets comedians apart uh, from normies or whatever from civilians yeah. is is that you just there is no way to do it without uh without just being excruciatingly humiliated uh right every, every once in a while uh so m maybe it's a strength you have actually it's probably something you have in common with the the guy i talked to from the flat earth uh he uh he was just totally immune to judgment and and that sounds uh, about right for a flat earther <laughs> yeah and like he he was just so relaxed like and probably uh, every every day he gets attacked by somebody oh or yeah made fun of you know there's a whole documentary about him and them and it's almost like he's a masochist because he's just going into this thing that's yeah I mean, what, what do you expect yeah you have to make a choice at some point just not to take it personally i guess mm -hmm. so when when you started off was your comedy like because when I watch your, your comedy, I've never seen you in person, unfortunately. Right. But when, I, when I watch the things you do in various uh, places you do it, right. it's, it seems like there's a little bit of performance art, a little bit of like uh, that, that type of thing where, you know, you're not telling people, you're not spelling out exactly what the joke is. Is it, the, is it what I'm saying? Is it the way I'm talking? Yeah. Is it like, was your comedy always like that? I think so. Um, I wasn't really trying to do that. It was more just a thing where I got to see a lot of comedians in LA when I, when I first moved here that I'd never seen before. And they were all so funny and so interesting. I'd never seen them on TV or anything, you know? Um, so it was like, it was very surprising to see all these people you'd never heard of before, but they're just so funny. I think a lot of that stuff I was doing was just a reaction of me trying to set myself apart, trying right. to be... Cause I always want, I've always tried to do things like sometimes intentionally, a lot of times just sort of like a, a reaction trying to do, I've always tried to do stuff that is, has like um, a very clear, like, Oh, this is my, this is me. This is, I don't want right, to right. be, I don't want to be confused with somebody else. Yeah. So I'll think of it was just that just me really trying hard to be like, I don't want to be like someone else because I just don't, I don't know. It's not like a, you know, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it, it's sort of just like an intuitive thing that you don't want to like, 
you don't want to be copying and doing one-liners. Um, yeah. And so, I'm just not good at that stuff either. Like okay. I, I don't have that gift. That there's people, a lot of comedians who can do that, you know, like, I don't know, someone like Todd Berry or something. Yeah. Who I find to be incredibly funny, but his style, yeah. I, I can't do that. I just couldn't. Right. So it's just not like, um, yeah, I think, but a lot of that stuff is, it's, uh, what do you call it? It's, it, it's, uh, you have to experiment with it and it takes a long time to figure out kind of what it is. And yeah. even then I still, sometimes I don't know, I'm like, what is it? What am I doing exactly? Yeah. You know? How much, how much kind of slaving is there like it, it, on your own? Like, are you a notepad guy? Like do, do things get written down and like the, the, the very minutia or is it kind of you wing it over and over and keep the best parts? Um, for a long time. And even now, I guess for, for as far as normal stand-up stuff goes like normal, like as far as like my normal, I'm pretty much, I have an idea of something I think is funny and I, I do it on stage and that's when it really comes together or I have some, something I thought about and then I end up talking about it in the moment okay. and I end up talking about it maybe about five or 10 times more than I thought about it. And so okay. I kind of, I like to build stuff on my feet because for me, the, uh, the tension and the uh, stakes of performance forces you to, to yeah. make it really good. And so a lot of times uh, the best thing time you'll ever do something is the first time you'll do it. And that's right. kind of an unfortunate thing a lot of times is because like the, the second show or the second time you do something is always the worst because yeah. you're trying to recreate what was natural the first time, right. but you're also, you can't do that. So you, you know this, yeah. you know you can't, but you can recreate it if you repeat it like over and over and over and over yeah. again. And a lot of times it loses the magic of it. But I mean, that's just, that's just how things are. It's kind of an, it's just the it's just the sort of unfortunate nature of yeah of performance essentially it, it's kind of like the fleeting like little glimpse of the holy spirit or something yeah very you're much like, you're like there it went oh shit you know and like I, I i find this is true with musicians a lot where there's something called kind of demo syndrome or demoitis where really you can never get the feeling of your demo recording of something again like uh, you yeah. know, you know, you'll, you'll capture that you were really in, in the moment when you get that vibe and then you just, you, it's like you've, you've caught the little fawn in the, in the forest, uh, or something and, and, and it, and, and it let you pet it. And then you're just like, you know, when you try to re-record it, it it's like you're wrestling the fawn to the ground and pulling its eyes open. And like, uh, I don't yeah. know if that, uh, maybe that's no, it makes sense. Of an image. It's very, it makes sense. I guess it's like a thing where. I think a lot of people, especially myself, you forget how much work it takes to do something a second time. And it's just kind of like you want it to be effortless, but it's just not. And so it's just the kind of thing where you, you have to, it's just, you have to enjoy the first time because that's just, uh, yeah. it's just how it is. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder if any, if any com comedians are immune from that. Like, uh, you, I mean, you, you just can't imagine Dave Chappelle you know, not feeling natural, but you know, it happens. He's just good at, well, he just works on his stuff. Uh, tremendously. Yeah. He's also been doing comedy since he was about 11 years old. Too. Yeah, he's so that kind of helps a lot. I think he's totally relentless. So much yeah. of that stuff. is just that it's just how many, how long have you been doing it? And, yeah. uh, that's matters so much because the longer you've been doing something, the more you can just kind of slip into it. And that also means, I think a lot of times there's a lot of comedians, there's a lot of anyone who people, they don't do the thing as they don't like doing the thing as much as they think they do. Mm. Like there's a lot of musicians who don't play their instruments that much. And I think there's a lot mm -hmm. of comedians who don't like to joke around. Like I'm a, someone who I pretty much always, I mean, right now it's probably an exception, but I'm just <laughs> usually always trying to fuck with any, anything, <laughs> anything at all times. I will yeah. find a way to, to fuck with it or like, what's the way I can make fun of this? Or what's the way <laughs> I can almost get in trouble like constantly doing that. Yeah, yeah I love and it. Just in my normal life, even by myself, to where it's not something I'm doing because like, oh, I'm a comedian. I got to practice. It's more just, right. I am going, I will go crazy. I will go absolutely batshit crazy if I don't find something stupid to do with this <laughs> thing that's supposed to be, oh, you're supposed to be serious here. It's yeah. like, okay, well, I definitely am not going to be serious with that. But just because yeah. the self-importance of stuff is just, you know, you want to just smash it. Yeah. Oh, so I think yeah. It's a, lot of, a lot of that. There's a lot of people who, I mean, that's just how I, 
I think there's this old story I always think about with um, with Gene Wilder. When he starts, someone told me this. I haven't researched this exactly, but it can't be that far from the truth. But he was a serious theater actor, and he kept doing. He's doing this show, and people kept laughing, and he was like really distraught. And it's like this is sucks. Everyone's laughing at the stuff I'm doing, and someone's like, "You're just you're just funny. It's not like." You're not trying to be funny. You're just funny because the way you sound and the way you move and the way your eyes, all that stuff. Yeah. Some people are just funny because they're fucking weird, you know, and that's yeah. nothing you can do about it. And I think yeah. that's the case with a lot of, some people are just really musical. Some people have like a, a rhythm that's like, they can't get out of them. I think that's a yeah. lot of, I don't know. That's to me is part of it. Yeah, that's like me. I'm just really fucking graceful. You know, I just can't, well, I just dance, you know, like, uh, and it comes out of me. No, I'm just kidding. That, that's not the case. But I do. I, it, it's kind of weird. One of the weirdest surprises of having this podcast is that I, I have that thing of like, when self importance is happening, mm-hmm. I'm like, fuck you, you know, like, I'm gonna do like my head will come up with ev- all of the worst possible things to say like what would be the most offensive thing i could yeah, possibly destroy say this thing yeah and when i was first thinking of doing a podcast i knew i wanted to talk about it, psychology and philosophy and stuff like that i thought i was going to be funny but i'm not like i'm not funny at all when i do it and it actually was frustrating like originally i was i actually had this idea of this persona i was going to be right. a sweaty pastor like i was going to like I had a suit in mind. I didn't, yeah. I didn't go as far as to buy the suit. I was going to, tr- you know, like I was going to be that level, but it's just something about talking to people about stuff in this way kind of doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't bring that out in me. So, and obviously it's not bringing it out in you cause you're not fucking with me now. Well, uh, I'm just, I don't know. I'm <laughs> kind of tired. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's okay. And we're, and we're complete strangers. So, you know, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I I couldn't tell I, leading up to this. I couldn't tell if I wanted you to fuck with me. I was like, I kind of almost wish you did did it, you know, as the garbage man or whatever. Like, you know, but oh I, yeah, I, obviously I don't want you to do that. But I was like, what's he gonna do? I don't know. But anyway, um, so uh, one of the things I don't I don't prepare questions, but um, mm-hmm. if and maybe you've already answered it, but is there an uh, answer? Is there an answer to the hey? What was that? There's a little bit of, uh, of a, <laughs> okay. reverb. Uh, so uh, if, is there an answer to the question of why did you become a comedian? Or is it just that answer that you already gave of like, you did it and you felt, uh, you felt better than you'd ever felt before? I just really wanted to. And I always wanted to, and I did it. And I felt better than I've ever felt before. So it was like, I can't not do this. I think mm. a lot of people would say that. They just feel compelled to do it. Because yeah. uh, anything else would just be settling and you would be miserable. Yeah. So it's more just that. I could just, I love it so much and um, I would be miserable doing <laughs> anything yeah. else. I think at least partially miserable. It, it's like a life. I, I feel like it's like a life vocation. Like, I don't know if there's enough. I think we're kind of raised with this idea that you, you find a career and you right. learn, you learn it and you slave at it and right. and you like you learn it from a book and and everything can be learned from a book and it seems like a comedian i almost think of it as the same as a as a clergyman or, or something like that yeah it is kind of like, like that i suppose it's, it's a calling and you you are that no matter what you know yeah even, for sure even if you were in a call center you would be a comedian in a call center and i was a comedian in a call center for many years Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you, forever. did you do accents for people on the phone? Yeah. A lot of times I would match the person's accent who answered the phone and I found they uh. would talk to you longer. Oh, that's like, funny. Yeah. I wasn't, I was doing, wasn't, I did some sales calls, but only for like a few weeks. I really hated that. Yeah. I think I quit that cause it was bad. The worst. Yeah. But I did like surveys and it would just match the person's whatever, <laughs> whatever they were doing, I try to match it and then I would, and it would always make it go better because yeah. It's sort of, you should be on their wavelength. I guess if you, if you were doing it legit, but people get pissed off when you do their accent and you don't do it well. Yeah, but a lot of times people have, people have no idea if you're doing it well or not, unless you're really bad at it. Because uh, yeah. it's like, you don't know what that person, all, I've, talked, I've heard a lot of different voices out there, you know, and it's like, there's no, everyone's, there's, there's, everyone sounds like everything. <laughs> there's some... There's some person out there who sounds away like, what? You talk like that normally? And they <laughs> yeah, do. That's your day-to-day? Yeah, yeah. You, just, you can't believe it. 
uh, and you're, you are very good at accents, at, which uh, I, I get this impression when I watch the stuff you do that, um, that you are picking up on a lot of stuff. Ooh, I'm flipping this. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> that you're picking up on a lot of stuff in the world and like in other human beings. And it, it feels to me like there's information encoded in all the, the tiny little details and, and the minute details in, in the things that people do. There's, there's like some oh, yeah. kind of information that you're sensing and that you don't even, you can't necessarily sit down and write, it, write out what it is that's compelling about that. But you just, it, does that resonate with you at all? Like, yeah, 100%. I think that stuff is the funniest stuff and the most interesting is the things that you can't really describe. It's like, the way someone says like, Ooh, or some, you know, like a weird little thing. <laughs> yeah. There's always, there's always things that you can't write that are when they're good. It's just, Oh, that's, you, it's so special that it, um, it's like anything. It's why anything goes viral. You know, it's like some dumb shit where this lady, she sits down, there's like a, she makes a sound, but it's not like she's trying to make that sound. She just made this weird sound and <laughs> people can't get enough of it because it's so interesting and unique. All that stuff is to me is, I, I just I like to watch stuff a lot. I really like watching people. Yeah. Uh, I like I like listening to people talk. I like um watching any people especially watching people when they can't tell you're watching them is the best. Like when you can like <laughs> sort of observe people like yeah. in, in the wild. I think yeah. that is uh priceless and it's like I don't know, it's just something about it is very um it's very special and I think it's uh yeah, there's there's like something about listening to someone just the way the way people act when they're not yeah. acting, yeah, is is priceless. Yeah, I I feel I I always get the feeling that there's there's always so much more to what's going on than you can ever put into words, mm -hmm. and and people are the people are so weird, and like we don't even know like we don't even know how uh, the idea of moving our arm translates to moving our arm, even in simple yeah. <laughs> ways, let alone, right. let alone this like symphony of things that uh, combines to make people who they are. And like mm. when people hear that, the voice that voices that you do or characters that you do of somebody that's like, you didn't know you knew that person, but you know that person like you, you, they're, yeah, they're, for real they're familiar. I yeah. think there's only so many types of people out there really. It's probably like, you know, 180 or something like with variations <laughs> or, you know, people yeah. have someone else's nose and their same yeah. eyes or their same ears or their. Yeah. It's weird. No, it, is, it, it is exactly 180. Yeah. Um, yep. Maybe yeah. 179. Probably but 179. Uh, yeah, one guy died. He was the only right. guy like that and he died. But. Uh, <laughs> um, he gone. <laughs> sayonara. He, that's not racist to say sayonara. He did speak whatever language that is. Japanese. That right? guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that guy was Japanese. The guy who just died. He was a category of his own. But um, so, yeah, I guess uh, the, the other thing I sense when, I, when I'm watching what you do, and maybe this is hard to put into words or maybe I'm just totally wrong, is that it comes from an actual love of, of human beings. Like, yeah, for sure. I think that's the case with everybody, though. I think it's a case of... I hope so. Yeah, I just like uh, most, most people. I mean, there's most people I think are terrible and really boring and yeah. anything. But the worst. But the uh, there's also a lot of people who are like criminally underrated. I think or just like under not so much underrated, but just under there's not that much attention paid to them. And anytime you're doing an impression of someone, or anytime you're building a character, it comes from a place of of love. I think. But it also, I think it's kind of weird because it also comes from a place of um, not wanting to be yourself because mm. it feels good to be somebody else because being yourself is, I don't know, I, I think it can be really hard and I don't like being myself most of the time. So yeah. if I can be someone else, you can live in someone else. And if you can make that person you're living in very realistic yeah. and enjoyable, then it's just that much more fun to inhabit that because yeah. it feels, feels good. It can be like, it can be very limiting to be yourself. Like I find, and even the notion of like, uh, you know, I think maybe, maybe our culture has too much of that, um, authenticity. Uh, yeah. uh, I don't know what the word would be like a requirement of authenticity. Like you gotta be real, but it's like, 
you know, those people out there for whom being real is, uh, is, is an obsession or being real is if it's important to you to be real, you're, you're certainly going to be like dishonest at certain times specifically Mm -hmm. because you are being real or you're being like your definition of real. And that's when uh, it can mean a lot of things, I guess it's a pretty, pretty open-ended definition. Yeah. In terms of being real. Yeah. Instagram, Instagram people who put up those inspirational quotes are certainly considering themselves to be extremely authentic. Oh, that stuff is the best, man. That stuff to me is just like, (laughs) I love it. I like love the people who usually it's like contestants on a reality shows. I actually know a girl. I took class four years ago. She was on one of the bachelor shows and she'd post stuff like that. I'm always just like, this is just, but I also think a lot of those people, it's, it's just a thing where um, they're just kind of simple minded in a sense, or maybe not so much. I don't want to, it sounds bad, but I mean more just like some people just don't have, um, they're not interested in a whole lot of things other than real kind of normal stuff. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. And yeah. I think it's, it's kind of, it's, it's fine. Yeah. And it's not going to go away. <laughs> yeah. No, no. It's, it's here to stay. Inspiration. It, yeah. It just takes a, I think it's the, for me, it took me a long time to sort of not care about it to be like, Oh, that's just, that's just what that, you know, that's just how, um, that's how that particular animal acts. And it's, it's you, doesn't mean the animal's bad. It just means it's not interesting to you. No, exactly. To me, you know, it's almost, yeah, it it feels like maybe they're just part of a different ecosystem where, uh, those, those statements that they throw out there into the void actually do resonate with some people. Like I, I, I didn't mean to kind of throw any shade at those people necessarily, but, uh, I guess, I I guess it's clear that you should, who cares? (laughs) Throw shade. Be racist. Be bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, no, I, really, I'll, I'll I mean, I really, yeah, I don't think you, just, you should censor yourself in that sense. You know what I mean, I mean, like in terms of, uh, just say, just say it. Yeah. Yeah. So like, uh, I, I, I do think it's a, it's just a matter of, uh, people kind of maybe seeing life, like people figuring out life like a game and then, and then like, Oh, okay. I figured out the rules to this, you know? Um, And and then somebody like you is like, if if life was the game of monopoly, I feel like you're the guy who's like licking the monopoly money to see what it tastes like. And, and like, you know, like seeing, like like throwing the the hotels at people just to see how they react or or whatever, because it, because comedians do, they kind of push, they kind of push the boundaries yeah, they push you, you. You push the boundaries of of polite society to see what what happens. Oh yeah, I mean that's the I think it's the classic definition of what a what comedy even is. Is is your if you think about like a court jester or someone like that, like a clown. Yeah, the clown. I mean, because there's like there's a lot of talk about clown stuff, at least in in Los Angeles in the past couple of years. And um, I've been doing comedy for like I guess about. 14 years, maybe 15 years. And I, I've done a lot of different types of stuff, but I feel like that is essentially what a lot of the stuff I end up was doing at the time was what you would now consider clowning, I guess. Um, and from what I know about that is that clown, the whole, the whole thing with the clown is the, um, the clown, this is what, what Phil Berger's told me. He's an amazing comedian. He learned, he's, he Sounds was familiar. taught. Yeah. He was taught at this, um, famous school in France. I can't think of Philip Gaultier or something like that. Okay. Um, and he, yeah, that sounds said, really familiar. Yeah. It's a famous, I think maybe even Is it Philippe Gagnon. It's Philippe something. I can't remember exactly, but he's Gagnon place, comes to my mind. Anyway, go ahead. It's the place that, uh, Zach Galvanakis goes in that show, uh, baskets, I think, or at okay. least, at least that's where he's supposed to have been being trained. But the whole thing with clowning is he says that the, the clown lives in the kingdom of the bad which basically means like the clown is always making a mistake. The clown's falling down. The clown is like a fool, is a shameful fool. But because he, the clown makes it okay for us to laugh at him mm. because yeah. of the way the clown's attitude is, you don't feel bad for the clown. You feel, you laugh at the clown because the clown is doing it in a way that makes it okay to laugh at. And it's a very specific thing. I feel like I can't explain it, but, yeah, all comedians are essentially 
in some form or another, I think are clowns. If you're not a clown, I think you're basically um, doing commentary. And there's nothing wrong with being being funny doing commentary, but yeah. I think that's that to me is like the, that's like the the two worlds. Like the where are you in the Venn diagram? Are you a clown? Are you a commentator? Yeah. Or are you somewhere in between? Yeah, it's it is a weird thing, and it's it's such an it seems like such an intuitive process. Obviously, they can teach it, but for you you're not falling over a chair necessarily but uh well i've done a lot of that actually yeah. <laughs> i've done like a ton of it <laughs> I have a whole bit where i would fall over a chair i think i can't remember why that was some sort of thing where i was like be falling i've done a lot of falling definitely a lot of not as much as my friend josh but i mean you ever hurt yourself yeah. uh a little bit again not like my friend josh like there's a lot of stuff that i've done that i've been surrounded by some of the funniest people i think are in the world so for me to say something, I think it's very humbling. It's also like, uh, like I can say whatever I want and feel like, oh, I, I was really funny, did really good. But then you see someone else like, oh my God, that is just unbelievable. <laughs> there's, there's so many, half of my friends are people where uh, I watch them and I just, uh, I'm amazed at how, how talented and how interesting they are. So Yeah. Oh, well, so. Uh, and when you get together with some of these people, mm-hmm. um, how often do do you I always wonder about this how often do comedians kind of get into like real philosophical territory or is that like obviously that's an individual I don't know person. I think I do a lot I, I mean my friend Duncan and I talk about that stuff a lot Duncan Trussell yeah oh, we, talk, we talk about stuff like that a lot um I think I talk about it with uh other comedians I guess Anytime you're on the you're on the you're traveling with someone, if you're on the road, yeah, like you're, you always end up talking about everything, I guess. But I think, for the most part, most of my cl- closer friends are people who do like talking about uh, weird stuff like that. I guess yeah. it's also a lot of people who do a lot of drugs and things, and so it yeah, kind of yeah. comes with the territory. Yeah, where you're you're taking psychedelic drugs or anything, you kind of, you know, it's. Uh, yeah. You're just thinking about stuff a little differently, maybe. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That can be a really good thing. Mm-hmm. And I love listening to you talk talk to Duncan. I think he's one of the few people who really who does a really good job of going back and forth across the line of like absurdism into like absolute sincerity in the same mm-hmm. conversation. And, and yeah, yeah, he's he, a great interpreter too. He's really good at like uh communicating stuff uh and that in that realm like he's so good at it <laughs> yeah I, I don't have the patience for a lot of times i'm just like i can't i can't live in this i get i get uh, antsy that's why yeah. we we're a good yeah we i like touring with him a lot because it's the perfect perfect combination i feel like it's like yeah. peanut butter and jelly kind of thing yeah he doesn't so. have to he doesn't have to always be like a deep deep uh you know hard on the sleeve philosophy it can also be like absolutely insane like yeah you, you guys go off into uh into riffs like that uh are just like (laughs) it sounds it sounds rehearsed but it also sounds like completely insane like nobody would ever write that down like yeah no way it's rehearsed um well that's amazing i i I, he's uh he's one of my favorites as well he's Um, great yeah um so i don't know like I, i guess uh we've talked about about this already but the what I think, what I wonder is, is if people are comedians, sometimes you can maybe speak to this. Mm-hmm. People are comedians sometimes because of like a great tension inside between uh, kind of like the most, uh, how would I put it? Like the most judgmental of humanity and of human beings because you're mm-hmm. so perceptive, yeah. but then the most like, loving because it's also your audience and so you also really care about everybody it's sort of like this weird tension yeah. that would be hard to contain no Is- i i i think everyone struggles with that i definitely struggle with that all the time a lot of times i think um it's really i think some of the the most creative people some of the some of the people who outwardly seem the most inspirational and positive are some of the darkest people i've ever met <laughs> <laughs> uh and i've and I said that being, I feel like that's uh, myself to some extent where I have to be positive about a lot of things. Otherwise it goes to the negative and it, mm. it can 
any kind of creativity of negative, any kind of negative creativity, any type of, any type of positive creativity, if it isn't used for good, it gets used for bad. Mm. So I think it's very important to stay positive. And for that reason though, um, yeah, like, like you're saying, I think everyone I know who I can just think about every comedian I know basically at one time or another saying stuff where I'm like, what are you fucking? I mean, especially it's amplified with social media. Yeah. Like, why are you saying this? It's being so negative about this, this person or this group. Right. And it's just, it's just because people, there's like a darkness that every, I think every comedian, at least especially any of the funny ones are definitely, there's like a weird darkness yeah. in their mind or in their past or both. And it comes out sometimes because nobody's perfect. You, you, right. you slip up and you allow yourself to be sort of consumed by something that's, that's, that's satanic or whatever. And it comes out of you as opposed to the joyful yeah. aspect of it, which is, which is, um, I don't, I don't know, but man. It's it, it, complicated. It, it, no, I know, but it makes sense. It, it actually makes perfect sense to me because I feel like what comedians do, I mean, I'm not trying to psychoanalyze comedians, but uh, I Go think- Go ahead. I do all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, fuck them. No, I think what, what comedians do is they, um, it seems to me like they are introspecting. So like uh-huh. they're introspecting into society itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like it's clearly not introspection because it's like looking outward but it almost feels like you're staring into the collective consciousness of human beings and every time you're on the stage mm-hmm. you you're basically opening up a portal that is the sh- that is created by the specific group of people in that room and, it, and, right. you, and you're looking through that portal and they're telling you like you know if you're looking through the portal because they are laughing at what at what you're saying they're responding to it they're giving you the responses that you're maybe expecting or looking for and and you go in that direction and so you're actually staring into this tunnel like into the void of the collective consciousness in mm-hmm. a way that in a way that like most people don't ever do and yeah and, and it is very like it is very dark it's very dark it's very dangerous but also that what you're saying there is like a perfect world I'd say most comedy is someone up there just fucking pandering, just saying stuff. Right. So like, please like me, please like me saying the stuff that they, yeah. and I've, I've pandered many, many times. I've had times sure. when I've bombed. I felt like I bombed, but I didn't bomb. And there's been times right. when I, to the, to, to an observer, it's like, Oh, he fucking bombed. But I'm yeah. like, Oh, that was great. I felt yeah. so good about it. Yeah. So you yeah, got that's somewhere. A, there's all these, just, there's all these different uh, combinations of things, but yeah when it's great when it's like when it's really like a thing it's lightning yeah and 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 so you you open yourself up to that to that darkness as much as to that light and it is a vulnerable place because people are laughing people are laughing at themselves so you're kind of opening them up you're opening yourself up like uh there was one time i don't want to get into it but there was one time in my life where i spoke to uh i basically talked down uh a man who was uh not well um, wow suicidal and, uh, yeah he wasn't i mean uh, he may have been suicidal mm-hmm. in the moment he was confrontational and my family was around and stuff oh, and, wow. and uh i realized the only way uh, out was through like it was this weird moment of intuition uh sorry this isn't about me but um and so i spoke with this guy in a really really dark place and we mm-hmm. we had our hands on each other's shoulders and i was looking him in the eye and it was like after it was over i was doubled over in in excruciating physical pain uh mm. because be, and and i'd never really had that because i i guess normally when people when you can tell somebody's like messed up you don't intentionally engage and even just like in physical proximity you don't look them in the eye you don't yeah. go to that place um and i did it that one time and i'm glad i did but man it, like i was shocked at how much it affected me so i do you kind got of share into the abyss i kind of did yeah and you got, and, you got uh, a demon hit basically yeah, man. Uh, it, was, crazy. Uh, it, it was, it was, when there was a real spiritual element to what he was doing Sounds to like, it. like he, he, and, and I prayed with the guy, like I, I'm, I, I wow. haven't done, I haven't done that prayed with a stranger, but anyway, it was, it was intense. But my point was that 
I'm just riffing on the idea that when something's going well, like maybe when you're up there on the stage and, and, um, and the audience is really with you on those mm -hmm. rare moments where it's like the lightning in a bottle. I'm, I'm wondering if that darkness, you know, if you just kind of can't keep that darkness from, from coming in, like there's a bit of a, almost a sacrificial element to doing that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe am I, I think, over, am I overthinking it? Well, I don't know. I don't think you can overthink some of that stuff. It's kind of like, there's no, I don't think you can. Uh, I probably use some of that. I think sometimes it's like a thing where if things aren't going well, a lot of times the darkness comes up mm. and it's really bad. But uh, I think um, for the most part, I think it's sort of like a form of communion and mm. it's, but if you're doing the communion, if everything is going well with that, then you're sort of insulated from that type of darkness. Mm. Or if you do present something dark, you're presenting it in a way sort of how dream, it's okay to have a bad dream because it's a dream. Right. I think yeah. it's the same similar type of thing where yeah. you, you can present things that are, that are toxic through comedy because they're insulated yeah. by being presented in that way. Yeah, you can. You're kind of almost redeeming this 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 idea, or allowing allowing people to go to a dark place. And yeah, you're there, giving permission. There can be gratitude from from people for that. I definitely feel yeah. that way when when in certain times. I think that's why sometimes, like I don't know about you, but I'm kind of obsessed with the bleakest, darkest movies. Oh hell yeah, <laughs> my <laughs> favorite. Yeah, yeah, those are my favorite movies always. They're like the ones that are just like, oh, this is so fucking bleak. Yeah, like, yeah. What's that? What's that movie with uh, Nicholas Nick Nolte? Uh, it's the John, it's the Paul Schrader movie. Oh, uh, I haven't seen Affliction. it. Affliction. Affliction. Oh yeah, you recommend? That movie is the bleakest thing ever, man. Wow. Yeah, it really captures the the bleakness of the late winter in the Midwest. Oh man, that sounds amazing! I'll try to watch that. I uh, like I I don't have any uh, bleak movie movie buddies or oh. anything, so it's and my my wife likes uh, uh, lighter stuff, so right. I I don't get to watch a ton, but when I do, I'm so grateful. I think one of my favorites is Kill List. Did you ever see that movie? Kill no, List? Kill List. Kill List. Yeah. It. How old is it? Uh I don't even know. It's definitely from the from. Yeah. Definitely from like post two thousand five, I would say. Really? But uh, I'm bad with that. You ever seen um, um, A Simple Plan? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a like, good one. I love that. Yeah, like moral ambiguity where like when you can relate to a guy killing a guy who a few uh -huh. days earlier was a normal guy, when yeah. you can actually be like, you know, in that situation, I might do the same thing he just did. Right. I, I love that. It's, it should be the thing that makes us like hate ourselves. We should be like, Right. You know, oh, I, I I related to that guy killing that guy. Like I, I I should be self-loathing right now, but somehow it feels so good. We're just animals. Yeah. So I the the darkness and the light they do feel like they're kind of like um, intertwined. They, yeah, intertwined. Yeah, yeah they're they're uh, of a piece, I guess, or something. Mm -hmm. And 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 comedians do that. Like you can just see when when a comedian gets a chance to like when somebody leaves something open for the just the wrong thing to be said you can just see like the glee in you know in the eyes of a comedian like like i don't i don't know like uh somebody says something offensive or does something offensive mm -hmm. and it's a jumping off place so yeah that's for sure that's a really interesting um uh, interesting kind of thing so um yeah so I was wondering uh, what your thoughts are on, on kind of persona. Like, do you have characters that you, do you have characters that you regularly do or personas that you take on where you feel like you can, you can kind of open up or be honest in a different way than you normally can? Yeah. I think that's the case with every character though. Uh, it's the same. It's they're all, I think they're all that way. Every time you do a character, I mean, um, that's a chance to to express something you couldn't do normally and it's like a safe i mean it's, it goes back to like an ancient idea of even in like theater like the idea of wearing a mask hmm. all that stuff is all like this ancient greek stuff where it's the this thing where you're you're wearing a mask and you're presenting yourself uh differently but because it's in the theater is there's sanctuary it's, it's it has sanctity so yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, any character I ever do is always that way where I feel like I can say stuff 
like that character I did for years, I still do Dicker Troy. Mm-hmm. I do that character. It's like very much a version of me. Yeah. So, and I've done that character. I mean, I've done it live probably a hundred or 200 hours, you know? So I've done yeah. it so much that it's a thing where you have, the character has to be an extension of you. Otherwise you can't, it's not sustainable. Yeah. Like, there's fun characters that are like, like, you know, weirdo glimmer things. But if a character isn't in some way an extension of you, you can't really do it very long. It's also not very interesting. Right. Yeah. But there's something about if you, if you, you can disguise yourself in a character, you can say stuff and do stuff that you wouldn't be normally able to do. And maybe you don't really mean those things, but there's an element of truth to it. Yeah. There's gotta be. Yeah. And that's what makes it really, uh, what really, really, I don't know, like pop. It makes it like feel very, uh, uh, lively and feels, feels like it's a, a living thing, like a living character. Yeah. And it, and it is in a way, like I, I think all kinds of parts of ourselves are like sub personalities mm-hmm. that like, that we take on. I, I always wonder if there's like, I, I come from a, a Southern Baptist. Like I was originally uh-huh. from the Southern United States and uh, man, the characters in, in Southern Baptist churches and in Southern Baptist culture are off the chain. I can't uh, imagine. Yeah. They're yeah. And, and there's so much persona. Um, yep. Like I remember my, I was at my granny's house in Tennessee and the pastor came by to do a pastoral visit. Uh-huh. and he was this muscular like he was in his 60s and he and he he called her little sister and wow. and uh, hello little sister and and he said it with this really kind way and then and she was just glowing and just like mm-hmm. oh but the intensity coming off of that guy yeah was, i love all those preachers i think i love uh, watching them it's great still to this day even modern ones it's just so fun to watch them because you get to see this person who's uh, doing something with so much conviction, even if they are kind of like shady or whatever. It's just, I love yeah. the performance of it. I feel like yeah. most comedians aren't even half as interesting as your average preacher <laughs> because yeah. just, there's always like when they hit stuff and like, there's like the rhythmic element oh. to it because you yeah. got to get people engaged. You got to get them fired up as all this stuff like that. Yeah. One of my favorite comedians is this guy, Steve Hernandez. He's a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And he used to be a youth pastor. And oh, when you man. see him perform, it's the same way where he just, he, there's not a person in the room. He isn't like, he just can like juggle all these yeah. people. Oh, it's interactive. He's so good at it. And just yeah. to watch it is, I love it. Anytime, anytime someone can do that when they can just like command a room and juggle everything and really kind of have this super uh, forthright and um, sort of, I guess, self-assured perspective. It's, I love watching that because I feel like I'm yeah. the opposite. Well, it, uh, yeah, it's like the difference between a pastor and a comedian, obviously, mm-hmm. is that they can never drop at least some part of that persona. Like, it, like if they're, I mean, of course, they're not always preaching uh, mm-hmm. on a stage, but, but, you know, you can say stuff you absolutely don't mean. Uh, right. You can fill a whole set with stuff you don't mean, and you know, and everybody in the audience knows that it's bullshit, but like in the best way. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the pastor just can't do that. Uh, like, and, and it's, it's probably super paralyzing. I would imagine. I mean that, I mean, I'm sure your friend has some dark tales. Oh yeah. Uh, like of his kind of like going from being a youth pastor into being uh, uh-huh. a comedian. I mean, is he still, does he still believe or is he uh I don't think so, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's complicated. I, I think with yeah, him, yeah. and I, of I think it's complicated with anybody in that situation. Of course, yeah, yeah. I was in yeah. a, I was in a ministry position uh, for a couple of years, and and it was, it, it is the strangest thing. It is mm-hmm. the strangest thing because you feel like it's probably the closest to what a comedian feels that it, you could that you can get when you get up. Because I was actually leading music, and sometimes mm-hmm. you'd feel like the. Um, the intensity uh, from a multi-generational crowd of people and you, Oh, I hit the, you know, I, I hit something on the head there. I got everybody to this place that I wanted them to be in. Right. And, uh, and it, it could be an addictive thing for sure, but it certainly would not continue if you ever were like, you know, but I actually really think that this is all kind of bogus. Like everything mm-hmm. I just said, I don't actually mean, uh, I just said it. So you would, you know, I just said it so you'd follow me to this exultant place or something like that. 
Probably so, a lot of people who do that though, right? I bet. Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, and I, I, I don't, I'm not saying I was like being uh, like, you know, not that I was actually just saying a bunch of stuff I didn't believe, but I right. mean, it, it got to that point where I was scared of that. And uh, like, that's, that's the main, you guys, I mean, comedians have an outlet uh, or have a valve, you know, you can kind of, you don't have to be. Sort of, sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I think it depends with everybody, but uh yeah, yeah I, there's a, it is different because there's a, there's a wider range and you, it's more of a personal set of beliefs than anything. Yeah. Uh, you mean, you mean being a comedian? Yeah. Yeah. And, and probably a little bit, everybody's beliefs are a little bit different. Right. Cause you basically just go up there telling people what you think about stuff. And even though if it's not, you know, people don't agree a lot of times they will laugh because it's like, um, because it's comedy. It's not like a, uh, a, a lesson it's not like a speech yeah <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah uh, that's that's a huge that's a huge advantage that you have um mm-hmm. well uh yeah um i mean this has been awesome i i think uh it's we're coming up on on an hour now cool it went by really fast um i, I really appreciate you being on the show yeah happy um, to be here yeah oh i was gonna ask how's your covid19 uh uh, quarantine going? Like, how are you? It's going pretty damn good. I mean, it's kind of like normal for me because I have, yeah. it's like a, when I'm not working on a show or something, it's, this is kind of what my life is like, Yeah. except for the fact that I can't really go out and go out. I like, I like to go out and go hiking and do stuff like that as much, a lot more, but um, I don't know. I've kind of settled into it. Are you one of those comedians that, that goes and does comedy like m- several nights a week in a club? Like, no. If you I feel like I probably do less comedy than almost anyone. I mean, really? there's a lot of comedians who would say I'm not a really real comedian because I don't do comedy that. Oh, okay. I, I do, I'm, I, you know, I make a living for the most part off acting. So, right. um, yeah. which I don't, I don't really think there's that big a difference between comedy and acting. I just happen right. to love acting and I do that. And I've been lucky enough to be, um, to, you know, get, get hired to do that. So, that's awesome. I, yeah, but I, I love performing. When I do get the chance to perform a lot, I fucking yeah. I love to perform as much as possible because it's, it's great. It's like you know, it's like going swimming if you're a kid. You know, you don't want to yeah. get out of the pool. Yeah, you got people like Joe Rogan though who are doing like uh, like several nights a week while flying all over the place and being, yeah doing his podcast. I don't know, but some people that's what they that's how they. I feel like I have to take more time watching and listening and sort of like being um just having fun and like i have much better much more to say and have and i say it better if i have time to uh kind of like observe things than just smashing my opinion into the ground every night multiple times like a refractory period or to to gather new things well i get the feeling that you are a person who does like you want to do something new as much as possible Oh yeah, but that's actually a, a kind of been a bad thing for me because I yeah. for years and years I was so addicted to doing new stuff that I would never hone the things that were great. Right. And so I have like hours and hours of material, but it's all kind of, you know, lost to time because yeah. I just want to move forward so fast. So now I'm working on this show, I actually transcribing it verbatim because I'm not tra- you know, I'm doing this hour long show that I'm uh yeah, that's the thing I'm working on. So it's like a new thing oh, for awesome. me, which is it's really hard to do that. It's so hard for me to do that, but I'm yeah. just pushing it. I'm doing it. Is, is it like, is it going to be like a special or is it going to be like, that's the idea. Or, okay. Like a special. Okay. Like a stand up special for an hour. Yeah, I guess you say, yeah. I mean, st- the word stand up to me, I feel like that's sort of a uh, kind of reductive and I don't, I mean, technically sure. I don't know what stand up it, what, at what point does something not become stand up? But um, right. yeah, I guess you could say it's a stand up special. Cool. I just don't think I don't like I don't like to say stand up just because I know so many people who are so so funny and they do so much actual stand up comedy and clubs yeah. and stuff that sometimes what I do I feel like well that's not really the same thing so because if it, if I were to compare it to that it would be I would just fall woefully short you know because I'm yeah. it's not the same thing. I'm sure. I'm sure your fans wouldn't think that it was woefully short. Uh, no, I just mean like in terms of how I have to. I don't know. It's like how I think about it. How I, my, how I construct, how I construe it in my head, or something like that. Yeah. Basically, just in terms of, because that's why I think about a lot of stuff. How you present something yeah. matters a lot. And so, if you present something as being 
A, but it feels more like B, then unless you're intentionally obfuscating the truth, which I think is great, then it makes it doesn't make sense to right. be, um, you know, like playing basketball with a baseball kind of thing. Man, I don't know. I can 100% relate to that. Like it, it was, it's been for the longest time, it was really hard for me to call myself a musician mm-hmm. or, or whatever uh, the different things. Because, yeah, it does feel like you, you put that term on it, you bring everybody's expectations of exactly what that is, uh, as opposed to like what we're all doing, which is actually trying to figure out what we actually are. Yeah. And it's, and it's always going to fall in between categories and category. Like anybody who's, anybody who's really comfortable with their category uh, is like, I, I can't relate to that. Or, or especially if you would do something to be in a category. I can't relate. Yeah, to that. well, that's how I feel about acting. You know, I guess part of the reason why I've had a lot of success with acting is I don't really care about it that much. And I mm. sort of approach it from a, I don't pr- approach it from a real, um, what's the word? Not res- I don't want to say respectful, but I don't, I don't approach it really. Um, I don't know. I, I You're guess not a craftsman I just, or it's not, it's not precious or something. Yeah, not no, I'm, not, I'm not precious about it. I'm not precious about yeah. it. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's helped me a lot with yeah. comedy and acting is not being precious about stuff. I think that's, uh, yeah. That doesn't get enough, totally. that, that doesn't get enough uh, press or play, in my opinion, is, is the idea of, of, like, uh, of not holding something super close to your, not oh, holding yeah. super close to your chest. Like, uh, you know, like I, I play guitar and like, uh, I, 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 I'm not bad at guitar. I'm pretty good at guitar. but I can't stand the thought of being a guitarist or, or something. Right. I know what you're saying. So, yeah. So I would like go and learn analog synthesis because I want to be a noob at something or because yeah. I want, because it's like, Oh, where That's are a those? Zen thing though. That's an old Zen idea. The yeah. idea of a beginner's mind. Yeah. Where are those stupid baby joys that I, that, that I used to have? Like they're not there anymore when you can pick up and you know, yeah. like, uh, I, I have such a love hate relationship with the craftsman. Oh yeah. It's terrible. I remember yeah. how much I used to worship like virtuoso music- musicians and now it's something where I'm like, a second I see that, I just have no interest at yeah. all. Yeah, you're, I want to hear somebody who's bad. You're, an, you're a musician as well, a bit yourself, aren't Yeah, that's you? how I started for years. I was a musician. I actually thought I was going to go into music before anything. So. Oh, yeah. Cool. But, uh, it was, yeah, I'm big big music guy. It was Green Day for me, which actually is kind of funny because like, when I, I'm not like a big Green Day fan, but mm-hmm. when, Dookie, when Dookie came out, I don't know how old you are, but... Uh, I was. I remember doing. He trying to learn the bass line for Longview. Yeah, so the first bass line I ever learned. Boom, boom, So hard. Those chords. Ding, 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 ding. Those are. Yeah. Really, that's a hard bass line. It is funny because, in my brain, I wasn't actually a musician uh, really yet. I was barely, and I I thought they were great because I thought they were bad musicians. And then when oh, I really? grew up, I'm like, I'm like, oh, actually, no, they're really quite. They're fucking good. They're really quite <laughs> they're good. Really good. Uh, so I was, it was like almost this weird cockiness, like, Oh, these guys can do it. And they're bad, you know, yeah. but then, but then you listen to like Bonnie Prince Billy with some really bad notes or, or, you know, like, Oh I got, yeah. I got really into the Van Bell and Sebastian and, and they mm. would like, they would put out music with, uh, the background singer singing a wrong lyric. <laughs> like, Oh, right. Yeah. That's like, great. Yeah. I love that kind of stuff. When stuff yeah, is it's just uh, so good. Yeah. yeah. The mistakes are always the best part of anything the giddiness of, mm-hmm. of hearing somebody coming up with something or do you ever listen to craft work that uh, a little bit? Yeah. There's that album, Ralph und Florian. Okay. Um, which is so good. And, and there's like, uh, I swear they must be coming up with the keyboard lines. Like it sounds like they're rehearsing the keyboard lines for they some might of them. Be. Who knows? And then they'll like try a little variation. Like it's, it's not precise. Anyway, I don't know why I'm ranting about this, but yeah, there's that whole amateurism thing. And I think mm-hmm. that that's what I sense it, that what you're, what you're doing is always giving yourself an opportunity to be uh, a, an amateur at something or to be kind of a doe eyed. Uh, well, just to play. I think playing is important. That's yeah. That's a better yeah. way to put it than what if, I'm you're, if you're not playing, then I think you're not doing your job. A lot of times people take, yourself so seriously but i think the most serious you can be about acting or comedy is to find a way to professionally allow yourself to get to a place where you can play and a lot of times 
getting to a place where you can play means practicing so much that you can forget everything and kind of yeah. let it be, let it, yeah. let it be loose. And uh, some people need to practice a lot to let themselves be loose. Some people take a bunch of drugs to get loose. Some people mm. are just fucking crazy and they can be loose because yeah. they're a virtuoso like fucking Hendrix or yeah. someone like that. Who's they're, they're a virtuoso. So they're, they're able to play easily because they understand their instrument, whatever that instrument is so well that they can, mm. they can play. And I think that's yeah. all, that's all it is. I mean, to be, to be a virtue, at least in my mind, like the virtuoso is who I enjoy. It's just because they, they, are are so good that they can they can play around like right. Glenn Gould. I love Glenn Gould. Yeah, uh, and I, I love him him play because he has he's obviously he's a prodigy. Yeah, so he has this mastery of the piano, but the way he plays is so spirited. Yeah, I think it's because he just has such an intense mastery of it that mm-hmm. he's not at all thinking about what he's doing. He's yeah. just lost in the current of what he's doing. Right. So it's, it's really just a, a fight of fancy. It's almost like he's riding this wave that he's generating himself. And yeah. that happens in, it happens in everything it happens in, you know, the flow the state. Monologue. Yeah. Flow state. You have a monologue. You have like, you're doing a stand up comedy performance. And it's, I, I think when it's good, it's great. And it's just about, yeah, it's, I yeah. think it's, it's about like the subconscious is there no matter what the subconscious yeah. exists and, and being a virtuoso is getting your facility up to a, to a high degree and then allowing whatever walks through the door uh, from mm-hmm. your subconscious to walk through the door, whatever idea kind of like comes blinking out of your subconscious kind of unbidden, you take it and you perform with it and you make it into, you make it into the feature kind of thing, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Glenn Gold's a great example because mm-hmm. he's, he's playing music off of sheet music. He's playing Bach. He's playing the most rigorous thing that exists. Exactly. He's playing math. He's basically playing yeah. what math looks like. That's what math sounds like. And it was, and, and he was the first time that I felt, sorry, I interrupted you. No, I was just saying that the Glenn is that Bach is math. That's why I think it is mm-hmm. of Bach basically. Yeah, and and uh, and and Glenn Gould was probably the first time because I'm not a huge classical music guy, but probably the first time that I heard I could really hear a person interpreting the emotion of each bit, and it was it somehow even with no like no knowledge of of what he's doing exactly or how much he's delaying that note or or oh yeah how it's just mu- tiny how hard- tiny things just those yeah those tiny things mm-hmm. just like those little tiny little nuance just like those little tiny nuances in your accents or in your facial expression when you're doing like a character and you're really in the flow yeah, man like that it, it 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 is like a it's a crazy thing to to witness um and so what i'm saying is basically you are equal to glenn gould that you're yes that's what i want what i want to hear all my life (laughs) yeah there you go yeah you can die now Uh, Uh, i can die washing my hands repetitively and sitting on a weird chair that's lower than anyone else's chair and somebody will find you eventually yeah Uh, i'll go on a a railroad in canada for for uh two years of my life (laughs) did he do that he did some weird stuff. Yeah, he was obsessed with recording conversations toward the uh, later part of his life. He would call people up in the middle of the night and talk to them on the phone for like two or three hours. He did this experiment in isolation where he rode the Trans-Canadian uh, Railway and he just recorded people talking and recorded yeah. conversations with them. It's intensely boring, but yeah. I think it's like that same Warholian <laughs> type thing where you're right. I don't know. Something, I just, I just love that guy. I love him not just as a piano player, but I just like his whole, yeah. his whole ethos. You never see anybody at the top of the game who is uh, intensely normal. I don't think. Like, yeah, I don't think you can break through all the cognitive layers that they have to break through to get there and just be like undamaged. Not that he was damaged. I mean, he was damaged, but like, just, I don't, I don't want to play it. Strange guy. Yeah, I love the or little like, chair. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, the little. You ever listen to Bruce Hack? Oh, I love Bruce Hack. Yeah, yeah, he's like to me. I I listened to him. I mean, I've. I don't listen to him that much anymore, but I used to be absolutely obsessed with him. And he's someone who I just, Oh like, yeah. What an, an interesting person, but an also alternate super tortured guy, you know, just so yeah. I am a child mm-hmm. program me. God, like, the uh, best. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've had some moments, some Bruce hack moments. Uh, There's nothing like it really. He, uh, someone someone is running a bruce hack account and 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 retweeted me at one point uh, oh, and cool. i was i was uh i thought it was I, I i had to like step back and be like no there's no way this is bruce hack no he because it was probably chris kachulis maybe i don't know who that is 
Uh, he's one of Bruce's old friends. He lives in New York. Okay, I had him on my so- podcast last year. Oh, really? I really good, really up. interesting podcast. Yeah, with him. He's oh, a very strange guy. Very, uh, very sweet man. But um, you know, he's definitely. Um, Do you? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. He's it's just a strange guy. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to have to look up that episode. Do you ever get into like the, uh, um, the people at the BBC radiophonic workshop? I have uh, a little bit. I think the John Baker is someone I've listened yeah. to. I like him a lot. I mean, I don't, I don't get too deep down there. I like Raymond Scott a lot. I like Bruce Hack a lot, but I feel yeah. like I like all their stuff. I like everything they've done. Yeah. So there's, there's not a whole lot of people out there who's done things that are similar. And some of that stuff to me just gets a little bit, Yeah. I don't know. Like uh, it's not musical enough for me, especially it, as the older I get. I yeah. like like I have it has to be musical. I can't listen to the, <laughs> the experimental nope. stuff I used to love. That resonates with me too. Like yeah, I, we named our daughter after Delia Derbyshire from the BBC Radiophonic Workshop, and for okay. some reason, some reason like those people are really compelling to me. But you're right, the music is all over the map. Like it can be like it, like Susan Chiani. Yeah. Susan. Yeah. Her her stuff and same with Terry Riley. I kind of got into Terry Riley. Yeah, yeah, he's ex- he's pretty accessible. Yeah, that stuff yeah. to me is the b- best because it feels very musical. Yeah, but it's also very experimental and it's got like all these. Uh, it's got a lot of warmth to it. I think that's what yeah. I, I, I look for is the warmth factor. Yeah. It's got a zen yeah. a zen quality to it where you kind of feel like they were they were spacing out and yeah, they're not doing it to do it. It's like, you hear like these interviews with Susan, I think that's her name, Susan Chiani. Yeah. Chiani. Yeah. She is just so, she seems like a, just a really very normal person. And she's yeah. like a, and she's good at speaking. She's just not like, she's not like some weirdo, like quirky person, but then you see what she's doing and it doesn't make sense that this super <laughs> bizarre experimental progressive yeah. music is being made by someone who seems like your mom's aunt, you know, your oh, mom's yeah. sister kind of thing. It's even, I, that's my favorite. I love when people, normal people do weird shit. It's even more pronounced when you listen to um, like either Daphne Oram or uh, Delia Derbyshire from the BBC Radiophonic uh-huh. Workshop speak because they were like, I mean, Delia Derbyshire in particular, she talks like, you know, she kind of, oh, yeah. the queen that's almost the like, and yeah, she talks so normal. And yet she was like, she was so badass that like when synthesizers came in, she like wouldn't, she was too principled to use them because she was a tape manipulator. Wow. Like, that's it, it cool. Was, yeah. It was that's all rough. about cutting tape, like laboriously. She did the actual sounds for the Doctor Who theme song. She's a fucking uh, hipster, man. That's the real yeah, hipster shit. Exactly. But in like mm. a little pencil skirt and like, she does look like, she looks like somebody that somebody on Monty Python would play as, a, as a boring character. That's like, interesting, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I then, love that stuff. I really do. So good. Okay, well, I've kept you a long time, but, okay. uh, but uh, Johnny Pemberton, thanks so much for coming on the show, being my first comedian. Um, great and, great uh, to be here, Aaron. Anything you want to plug really quick that people can... Um, you can find my, my podcast, Live to Tape. You can find yeah. it on iTunes and every place mm-hmm. else. And otherwise, yeah. if you want to find something of mine, you just go to my Instagram or I have my link tree on there or my website, johnnypemberton.dog. Yeah. yeah, I love your Twitter too. Cool, man. Yeah. All right, well, uh, yeah, thanks. It was great to meet you and, and uh, um, I'll stop it here. <laughs>